sure do appreciate the prayer support. It definitely makes a difference. You can you can tell when people are praying. You can tell when people aren't praying. And I can tell when I'm praying enough and when I'm not praying enough. So there's definitely a, a good balance to it all to find. Last time I spoke, we were you know going through a series out in the book of Mark on being a servant. We wrapped that up. And so today we're going to uh, start something a little different. Whether or not it goes into next week, I don't know. We'll just see how it goes for the next 30, 40 minutes or so. Um, but I guess I want to start with a little illustration, if you will, a, a storyline. There were three boys, three young boys. They were in a group um, going through just kind of challenging each other, if you will, and they each pretended to be um, either a word or a phrase in the Bible, something, some kind of character in the Bible, characteristic, if you will. And the first boy started, and he said, uh, not saying who he was, of course, he said, I manifest God's love through believers. A Christian is commanded in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 to do everything with me, okay? Meaning, do everything um, by me, okay, and through me. It says in that passage that I don't envy and I don't fail. And one of the boys raised his hand and said, oh, you're charity. He said, yes, I am charity. Make sure that we have charity in our Christian life. Well, the boy that gets charity, it was his turn, and so he said, I am, I am what gives you the ability to withstand the uh, trials and the storms that we come across in our Christian life. I manifest it on the cross. You get me when you don't deserve it. And I revealed God's love and God's mercy. And then the other boys said, oh, I know who you are. Your grace. God's grace, when we don't get, or sorry, when we, do, when we don't deserve what we do get. And the acrostic for grace, G-R-A-C-E, would be God's riches at Christ's expense. So then it was that boy's turn to become a character. And he said, he said, well, I'm not, I'm not as friendly as you two guys are, my character, that is. He said, sometimes I'm hidden in your life, or you may not realize that I'm there. But you are me when you're thinking of yourself over others, that you believe that you're better than them and that you proclaim to be better than other people. I am the beginning of sin. I don't say your will. I say my will. And one of the boys said, oh, well, you're pride or prideful. He said, yes, I am prideful. He said, make sure you boys don't have pride in your life because I don't really struggle with that. <laughs> comes up rather subtly sometimes, you know, and we overlook it. But I would say out of these three, this boy had the biggest problem with pride. And he tried to pretend, you know, uh, not to be prideful. But pride is what we want to talk about tonight. And there's two different uh, parts 
to this um, lesson, and you know, we'll see how it goes. But the first part is we want to discuss the problem with pride. What kind of problems does it bring up? Well, the first thing we want to note is um, the deception that it creates. We saw what this boy did in this example. He was, he was creating a, a, a false report of himself, a false, a false um, perception of himself. And, and as he said, I'm the beginning of sin, we saw that all the way back in Genesis chapter number 3, right? When the devil came as a serpent to tempt Adam and Eve, and he said in chapter 3, in verse number 4, And he said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know in that uh, doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So the devil, of course, you know, he tries to twist the scripture on us, okay? And he, he makes the comment that your eyes will be open, almost trying to make them believe that God has closed their eyes because, you know, God doesn't want them to have the opportunity to be like him. So he's got things all twisted up. And this prideful matter of being as gods is what he's putting out in front of them, okay? And it's sort of like a fishing lure. If that fish really knew what was inside that lure was a hook, you know, Brother Roger wouldn't be a very happy fisherman, right? (laughs) I saw a joke on Facebook. It had a a picture of a fish with a mask on it. And it said, now I know why the fish aren't biting. I sent it to him. But uh, anyway, sorry. So this pride, this deception, we begin to have a false, a false uh, view about something, about whether it be our status in life or, you know, the things we have or the things we want to do. And we're going to talk about these things individually because pride comes in many different ways. In our lives, there's many different areas in which we have to be very careful with pride, especially when we say, you know, or when we won't say, yes, my Lord, when we won't say what Christ said in Luke chapter 22, uh, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You know, Brother Ed was talking last week about addition, Christian addition, what what we are to add to our faith. Who, 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 who in here can tell some of the things that we're supposed to add to our faith? Virtue. Virtue. And, um, and brother, brother Ed touched on this last week some. He, he said that our pride is going to be the big factor that prevents us from adding to our faith. When we don't think we have anything to add, we think we've got it all down. We think we're, you know, walking perfectly, if you will. And so it hinders our Christian walk. It it makes us think that we're greater than what we really are. Okay? So what are the different ways pride shows up in our life? If you have your Bible, let's go over to Second Kings. We're going to start there. We're going to end up in Isaiah. 
later on, but we're going to start in 2 Kings chapter number 20. Second Kings chapter number 20 and verse number 13. The first way that our pride comes up would be through our material status, if you will. What we have or, or who we are because of what we have. And we find it here with, this, uh, with Hezekiah in chapter 20 and verse 13. We'll begin reading there. And Hezekiah hearkened unto them and showed them all the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. So he did a, a, full, a full class show and tell at this, at this uh, setting here. And then verse number 14, Isaiah the prophet comes along and does a little Q&A with them. Then, said, then came Isaiah the prophet unto King Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men, and from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country, even from Babylon. And he said, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All the things that are in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown, showed them. And Hezekiah said, and Isaiah sorry, said unto Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And so because of his pride and him showing off his treasures as he worded it, eventually it led in the Lord's chastisement to him in losing the very things that he had. Okay, And then he later uh, dies at the end of this chapter so Hezekiah, he didn't really, he really didn't give honor to the Lord on what he had. He showed them these things, and you know, look at what I have. I'm wealthier than the others. We also find it with Pharaoh, who who stated basically that he didn't have to answer to God because of what he had and and who he was. In Exodus chapter 5, he said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And what happened to Pharaoh? Well, he and his army ended up having a, a bubble bath, you know? So pride in the material status, the Lord wants us to give honor to him, not only with just the first fruits, um, as it says, in the scripture, but just recognizing the fact that we have what we have because of the Lord. We have a job because we have a skill. We have a skill because it's something that we developed from our early childhood or whenever it was, and that was placed there from the Lord. We didn't give ourselves knowledge. We didn't give ourselves this intellectual ability, if you will. We can develop it. But the Lord is the one who initially plants it there. And it's a matter of mixing wisdom and uh, this knowledge. And we'll talk more about that 
later on. So the first area that pride can come is in our material status. The second area it can come is in our strength. Okay? Who in the Bible can you think of that had so much pride in their strength, but yet fell? Samson. Okay, perfect. Who else? I'm sorry? Uzziah. Okay. I agree with all of these, but I'm looking for one because it's what I have on my outline. (laughs) Goliath. Yes, not exactly a good guy, but nevertheless, he boasted himself to be the champion. And when David comes forth, he says, you really want me to fight this? You know, I'm, I'm stronger than this. I'm, I'm, I deserve a better challenge. Well, he didn't realize who he was really challenging. He ends up getting knocked out and his head cut off. Okay, so, you know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Amen. So, <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel chapter 4 and verse 30, the king, it says, The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon, this, this is Nebuchadnezzar speaking, that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. You know, you find a similar theme with the subject of pride. You have a lot of I, me, and my, and uh, you know, what's the middle letter of the word pride? Letter I. It's all centered about me, myself, and I. And so this king boasted in what he had built. And what ended up happening to this king? Yeah, he started eating grass like the ox. He was he was hideous looking. I would say the Lord humbled him, not only uh, mentally but also physically as well. So the danger of our strength being becoming prideful, becoming sorry, the danger in us becoming prideful with strength is the fact that we begin to boast that we can do something that we really can't. Okay, these are literal examples from the Old Testament, but translating it into our world today, okay, as Christians living the Christian life. It's a spiritual battle according to Ephesians chapter 6. And therefore, we can't fight it ourselves. We can't, we can't live the Christian life by ourselves. If we, if we rely on our own strength, Samuel, we're going to fail. Because we're not, we're not battling against principalities and powers or flesh and... I'm sorry, I'm all mixed up there. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities and powers. It's a spiritual war. And so therefore, our strength is in God and His might and power and not our own. The third area would be knowledge. How about Romans chapter 1, verse 22? Can anybody quote it? Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They claimed to be so smart that they were actually quite stupid. I was watching a video of uh, Ken Ham this last week, and I think it was on Saturday, talking about the relevance of the book of Genesis and how relevant it is, of course. Um, and he showed a clip of a college professor, and uh, he 
it reminded me of the bad old days being back in college. But anyway, bad in terms of listening to this kind of stuff. But he said, he was talking about this star that exploded, you know, all these years ago and all this stuff and how it's just amazing how all this came came to be and things like that. And then he said, so forget about Jesus and just be amazed at this star that exploded. And what really hurt was the fact that the students applauded and were laughing with that. But that's the world that's out there. That's that. Thankfully, it's not all of the college students, but there is a vast amount out there with that attitude that science believes, Brother Jerry, that they have it all figured out, that they have it all explained, but they don't have it all explained. You can go through their theories and you can find fault after fault after fault. You know, it becomes, it starts with a hypothesis and then it becomes a theory and then it becomes a law. And the way you transfer from one category to the next is experimental proof and documented proof. Okay? They claim they have the experiments successful to go from the hypothesis to a theory, but they're stuck there. They can't produce it as a law. They can't produce it as a fact because they don't have the real fact. That's where science is stuck. This knowledge, we uh, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. We'll come back to that. The fourth area is spiritual pride, and this has different ways in which this is uh, brought about. But the first one I want to bring up is. Uh, Actually, y'all have been doing pretty good tonight on figuring out what's on my notes here. Let's see if y'all can figure this one out too. Who in the New Testament, I'll help you with that one, stood out to be very spiritually prideful? Peter, yeah. Peter, okay. Well, I didn't have that one. That's true. Peter, how about a group of people? Pharisees, yes. And Jesus, what did he call them many times? Hypocrites, right? So they were putting on this act, if you will, of being more spiritual than what they actually are. Okay? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16 said, Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites. He didn't say the Pharisees or whatever. He just called them the hypocrites. And we know who he's referring to. Of a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And so, acting like someone that they're not, okay? And uh, this spiritual blindness, you know, when they, when they begin to act this way, they're blinding themselves from what their real need is. And that's what stops many people from coming to the Lord Jesus Christ is they think they're good enough and that they don't need the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't see the truth in Ephesians chapter 2 when it says, For by grace are you saved through faith and not of works. Because God, He's an all-deserving God, right? 
He's not an all-demanding God, and that's why, that's why the salvation is based on faith and grace. There is nothing about predestination with He chooses who's saved and who's not. God's not going to get glory through that. There's no grace. There's no faith with that. It's all about our choice, our choice to serve Him. And how about the Jews? The Jews in John chapter 8 said, um, or, or Jesus said to them, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And the Jews responded, they said, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? They're thinking, literally, not in bondage to anybody, but that makes them blind to their spiritual bondage and that they were bonded to sin. Okay? So this spiritual pride, acting like someone were not, would be the applicable side to the Christian. And, and then, unfortunately, we have the salvation part where people don't see their need for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then tonight, the, the, fifth, the fifth point or the fifth area, if you will, where pride becomes uh, can really come in is what we're going to focus on for the remainder of our time. And that's going to be a proud ambition, a strong desire to do something or to have success. And this is where you have a change in focus, a change in focus in your life if it's focused on which, which highway are we focused on here? God's will or my will and what I would like to do with my life. So turn now to Isaiah chapter 14. And we will be here for the remainder of the night. Well, the remainder of uh, my time, not, not the night, you know. I go to work tomorrow too, so. Isaiah chapter 14. Proud ambition being the pursuit of status and fortune rather than pursuing God's will. And sometimes God will, God's will will bless us with these things but it's just a matter of which one do we have our focus on. Um, you know, this will come up in terms of opportunities, whether it be um, who you marry or what job you take or, you know, just these different big decisions like that. Do we pray about them or do we just go with our gut feeling? And... Um, problem with the gut feeling is it goes up and down. You can't trust the gut, but you can trust God. And so, here in Isaiah chapter 14, it's a very interesting passage. Um, we'll start in verse number 12. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. 
I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. It's quite a statement, isn't it? And, you know, this passage right here, in the context, okay, it's referring to the city of Babylon, okay, which was known as the Golden City, okay? They were known for their ex- their excess in gold, the wealth, the, the power that that gave them. Um, in those days, you know, gold was probably the most valuable metal. Um, and so, because of their power, they were... They were feared by kings. They were feared by the people. They were the terror in the land, if you will. And in this short passage we just read here, it speaks of O Lucifer, and in all this, so this passage also alludes to Satan himself when he claimed that he would be above uh, God, that he would be like the Most High. Okay. But it's also referring to Babylon and the king thereof. And so just understanding a little bit more about the background, the setup of this, going back to verse number 6, it said, He smote the people in wrath with a continual stroke. So, number one, he was punishing the people in his land based out of anger and not in correction of any sort. He that ruled the nations in anger is persecuted and none hindereth. So he ruled with anger and with no passion. He made the world a wilderness. And you also notice, um, you know, this king, he, uh, he had all the government to himself, Brother Jerry, but he didn't have government of himself was the problem here, okay? And so his pride ran loose from him and um, caused him to be so, to be the, to be this kind of ruler. And then the result of this is the destruction of the nation, of the nation of Babylon. And this is the path of pride. We talked about the problem of pride. Well, the path of pride, the problem of pride is the deception, but... The path of pride is the destruction, the result, okay? What comes before a fall? Pride. Uh, Verse number 4, if we backed up a little bit more, it says, Thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, How hath the oppressor ceased? The golden city ceased. So the people see this city, this uh, administration, if you will, um, once that was the almighty ruler in the land, um, in an earthly aspect, and he how he was oppressing them, and now he's cut down. Verse number 5, The Lord hath broken the staff of the wicked and the sceptre of the rulers. So the staff was something that you, you, know, you lean on it for support, like a cane. Okay? So when it says the Lord hath broken the staff of the wicked, they no longer have something to lean on, and therefore they have fallen. And we're going to touch on that in just a minute. And then it mentions the sceptre. Um, forgive me if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. 
But this was a rod carried by the rulers and officials in the land, and it signified, or symbolized rather, their their law, their authority, okay, the justice that they uh, carried with them, okay. And then we saw in verse number, or we see in verse number seven and eight, that the people are rejoicing that this uh, this king is cut down. And Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2, comes real here. It says that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. I think we've been living that verse lately here as well, have we not? Five times between verses 13 and 14, there's a common phrase, and that is, I will. This is something that this king was proclaiming to be. He just wanted to uh, keep his power going and continue to exalt himself. He was so full of himself, he wanted more power. He wanted uh, more position, more possession, and therefore he wanted to be he wanted to receive more glory. And that's the same thing with the devil and what he wanted. And he ended up getting cast out of heaven and eventually will be cast into hell for it. And then as a result, he was made small, right? So this king of Babylon was cut, was cut down. And, and um, it says in verse number 16 that they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee. And consider thee, meaning to look, that word narrowly means to look with intent, like you're studying it. Like, I can't hardly see him. He's so small. What was once so big is now so small, I can't hardly see him. Is this the man that made the earth to tremble and did sh- that did shake kingdoms? That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof that opened not the house of his prisoners? So Babylon's taken over. Satan is cast to the uh, to the earth, and the, both of the ways we can interpret this passage. And as a result, the people rejoice because they're no longer pressed. The Lord has delivered them from this. So, in closing tonight, um, pride. We've seen the how it's deceptive in our lives and the destruction that it will bring. God will not honor it. He does not honor the prideful heart. Um, in our material status that we talked about, it's not about us for who we are. It's about Him for enabling us to become what we are and to receive the things that we have. Our strength, we talked about how it was a spiritual, it is a spiritual battle and that we uh, to live a Christian life, it's not going to... We can't live the Christian life on our own strength, but only His. And then knowledge, and how we can't pride ourselves with knowledge. Adrian Rogers had a good quote. He said, Knowledge is proud that it knows so much. Wisdom is humble that it knows so little. And Charles Spurgeon said, Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal, and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. 
So the, not, the, the proper balance here is to mix our wisdom with knowledge. And we know God will give us the wisdom that we need if we, if we will ask Him. He will give it to us freely. And then the spiritual pride, avoiding that self-righteous attitude that we are a spiritual, uh, that we are the spiritual wonder in our community and not trying to show ourselves more spiritual than what we really are. And then the proud ambition that we just talked about, being content with what we have, not striving so hard that we end up falling out of God's will, that we don't, that we keep our focus on His will and not so much our will. Because the Lord has, or the world has a lot to offer us. It really does. But it still doesn't have as much to offer us as the Lord Jesus Christ and God's will. James chapter 4 and verse 6 talks about how God resists the proud, but He giveth grace unto the, hum- unto the humble. And grace, remember what we said at the beginning, it's that ability to withstand what comes our way in the Christian life. And God gives us that ability. He gives us that staff to lean on. But if we become prideful, He's not going to give us grace. Therefore, we're not going to have our staff and we fall. You see the picture that it presents to us there? So, living the Christian life, the biggest enemy we have and what's going to hinder us is our pride. And uh, God has given us all sorts of warnings in the scriptures and the destruction that it can bring. And, you know, it's just important for us to remain humble as we seek His will for our life. Amen? All right, let's pray and then I'll turn it over to Brother Roger. Our Father, Lord, thank You for this night to be in Your house, Lord. I do pray that You would show us the areas in our lives, Lord, where we need to... Uh, watch out for areas of pride or maybe perhaps humble ourselves more, Lord, Father. And Lord, I do pray that we would just continue to think upon these things, Lord, as we all seek Thy will and to serve You, Lord, for the purpose You have for us. And Lord, we do. I do pray, Lord, for everyone tonight that You would protect them going home, Lord, give them the good rest of the week, Lord, and prepare our hearts to gather Sunday morning for the message. That you protect Brother Roger and Miss Cindy as they travel. And we do pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, any questions?